Hi. Today we'll be reading some pro revenge. Please enjoy. So I recently had a run-in with UPS, story by Chuckit Bucket. UPS smashed a nearly new MacBook that I sent with them. I asked them nicely to pay me back for it and they asked about, blaming me, blaming my packaging, saying it was impossible they damaged it, etc. I was able to prove my packaging was flawless and get a statement from the Apple shop that I took it to say it was damaged caused by being dropped slash thrown. I could also prove it worked when I sent it. They weren't interested and messed me about for weeks, sending me from pillar to post, even threatening to make me pay interest on customs charges which I wasn't liable for as the laptop was smashed on arrival and thus worthless at import. I took it to small claims. They hired a lawyer who sent me letters saying they contested it and would go for full fees etc. if I lost. I went for it anyway, I did law stuff at university so I knew the basics and I thought my case was pretty clear cut. I won. I won my costs back, plus extra, plus interest. They ignored the court order and did not pay. Now, this laptop was originally sent to my beloved mother-in-law. She asked me to help her with the problem as UPS was also seriously harassing her for the customs fees. However very unexpectedly, before I could resolve it, she passed away. It was the last thing she ever asked me to do for her. I love that woman more than pretty much any human on this planet, she was my mother, my best friend, and my mentor. Taking down UPS was now my personal vendetta. I researched my options, I could have taken the usual, more conservative, legal routes to reclaim my money. But no. Fuck them. I don't care about the money anymore. I want revenge, I want drama, I want karmic justice. I went to the high court. I got a writ of control. I, of course, added on more fees and more interest. I then hired the most aggressive bailiff firm in London. I trusted that the shitty processes and attitude of UPS meant they would ignore the letters and actually get a visit. They did. The bailiffs rock up at UPS headquarters and explain the situation. UPS refused to pay so the bailiffs start listing goods. Security tries to make them leave, the office manager tries to bully them out. Obviously, no shits are given by the bailiffs and they crack on with their jobs. I wasn't allowed the body cam footage but they did send me a detailed report. The final conclusion is copied from it below. Calls were then made to the accounts manager who arrived in a hurry. As no payment was forthcoming from them the agent again explained the removal process and costs involved and called the office for approval to begin removals. The agent began to seize assets. The finance director then arrived on the scene. He was not at all happy about the attendance, but ultimately agreed to pay a voluntary payment in full from his personal account in order to stop the removal. I know it's a drop in the ocean to UPS, but I got more than double what I originally asked for to replace the laptop. They would have had to pay even more on top of fees to the bailiffs. I reckon it cost them at least 3x more than the original claim in the end. But mostly I just enjoy the mental image of the flustered finance director and his impotent rage, having to pay his own money to stop the heavies taking desktop computers and fancy pot plants and things out of their swanky head office lobby. You're replaceable. Okay, bye. Story by Anon Can't Quit. I worked for a company for just under 5 years. The company I worked for existed for an additional 10 years prior to me. While I worked at this company, it ballooned to be the number one provider in the region for its unique service with about 75% of the market. It was a small business of about 15 employees. I loved my job and the skills I learned while working there were quite valuable. I loved my team, and the clients we provided services for. My twice-yearly reviews with the owner were always 10 tenths with no recommendations for improvement. I was exceptional at my job in every way. 
I handled company operations, HR slash payroll, customer service, marketing, employee management, schedules, employee and client training, and many other things at this company. I was also able to step in and do any of my teammates' jobs if they were out sick or on vacation. The owner of the company was giving out a bonus late summer last year and mine, while being more than previous years, was notably less than my teammates. I asked the owner, are the bonuses related to performance, and if so, what could I have done to earn more? The owner replied, the bonuses are not performance related, you are just more replaceable than the others. Oh, okay, I replied and I proceeded to process each of the bonuses then went to lunch. I called my spouse to gain wisdom and advice. I was pretty lit but didn't want to make a rash decision. My spouse is very intelligent and, while they are not a fortune teller, they have the ability to foresee various responses and all the potential outcomes. They are business-wise and have been on the executive team of a large company for the past 21 years while also serving on several community boards and business advisory boards. We decided together to continue forward with our scheduled vacation and use the time away to calm our minds, relax, have fun, and to also determine the best course of action for me. We were leaving after working one more day, so I worked like all was normal the rest of the day and the following day, then left on vacation. While away we discussed several scenarios, and the potential outcomes, and consulted with a business advisor and a business attorney. With all the advice I received I determined that upon my return from vacation, I would resign from my role with a two-week notice. However, in a fit of rage, I was immediately terminated by the owner. This was one of the scenarios we thought would happen, so I was prepared for the owner's poor reaction. During the next couple of weeks, I created an open to competing business offering similar services. However, I offered more customizable options with higher quality service and results. I knew our clients wanted these options and had proposed said options several times at the old workplace but was never greenlighted to implement the changes for no reason other than the owner didn't come up with the idea so it was a stupid idea. I also maintained communications with a few people from my old team. My old team did not relay the day-to-day happenings at my previous workplace and I never asked about the company. However, they would vent to me on occasion. I would listen without comment. I knew service, quality, and the work environment in general suffered since my departure. Morale went down and clients were less satisfied. I also read the Google and Facebook reviews for old companies. Yikes. Additionally, two full-time and one part-time person were hired to fill my role and a portion of my responsibilities, like HR and payroll, were filled by outside companies. I quickly built up my business and within three months was able to hire several of my old teammates. They were able to jump in on day one with minimal training as they were the best employees at my old workplace. The quality of the previous workplace's offerings continued to fall which sent additional business my way and quickly caused incoming work to be non-existent at the old workplace. My old workplace went from being the number one provider of unique service in the region to nothing in a matter of months. My previous employer is now searching for gainful employment. I know this because over the weekend owner applied for a position at my spouse's company. Side note. I think my spouse's company should bring my previous employer in for an interview but when they arrive, surprise. I'm the interviewer and all I say is, how replaceable am I now? My spouse, rightfully so, has said, no. The moral of the story is don't tell your employees they are replaceable because they might create a competing business that is better than yours while taking your best employees and your clients which will leave you with no business to sell. Owner's whole retirement plan was to sell the business, and starting all over by searching for employment under someone else. Looks like your company was replaceable, not me. Don't mess with an engineer. Story by Lemon. I worked for a company that provides specialized equipment used in manufacturing. 
To protect my anonymity I'll have to be vague about what exactly this machine does. During my time working in this field, I got to know many clients who would need these machines installed and serviced. One of these customers will call Jake. I later left the company to for a different job, but Jake apparently kept my number. One afternoon I got a call from Jake that they wanted a new unit installed and another unit that needed maintenance and wanted to know if I was available. I let him know that I left the company but that I could pass him on to someone who could help. He tells me he'll pay 2x my current rate to install the unit over the weekend. He lets me know that the company has increased the rates for installation and the company just can't afford it. The instructions they sent over just aren't clear enough and their engineers are scratching their heads trying to figure it out. He begs me to consider it and I agree. For more context, installing this unit can take a good few hours, or up to a day on your own. The company gives you two options. You can either pay for an engineer to come and install it, or you can save money and they will send instructions so the customer's own engineers can install it. The instructions aren't easy to follow and it's company policy that if someone has started to install the equipment, the supplier wouldn't get involved since they couldn't verify that any of the pieces were broken. This will be important later. I drive down on the weekend and they show me the boxes of equipment. I set to work and I make good progress installing the unit. Around 6 hours in and I'm stopped by Jake who greets me. I let him know I'm nearly finished and he tells me sorry but they just don't have the budget to pay you he understand my frustration but his engineers can take it from there. To say I was frustrated was an understatement. I wanted revenge. There's a small button inside the unit that changes the unit into test mode. This is done to perform maintenance on the unit but it's impossible to configure the unit with this button pressed. It's only possible to reach this button using a pin so it's not easily pressed during installation. Because of this, the installation instructions don't mention it. There's no real way of telling the equipment is in test mode, it just won't work normally. I think you can guess where this is going. I click the button, collect my things and leave. Monday morning I get a call from Jake. I declined. I knew my old company wouldn't get involved since I already started installing the unit. I knew his engineers would never figure it out. I just had to let him stew. A few days later with many missed calls, I finally pick up. Jake is furious. He asks me where the hell I've been and why I haven't been picking up the phone. He tells me they can't figure out how to configure the machine and they need my help. I tell him, why is this my problem? You won't pay me. He told me he was sorry and they would work something out if I could get there as soon as possible. I told him oh no, you're going to pay me £7,000 up front before I do anything I'd never felt this powerful before. He screamed at me for a bit and hung up. He called back a day later after saying he was sorry for how he acted and said that if I could come to fix it he would pay me, in a totally defeated tone. He tried to fight it saying he'll pay when I was done but I was having none of it. After a bit of back and forth, he agrees to pay me. The money hit my account and I came in the next day. The look of confusion on his face when I took out a pin and changed the unit from test mode was priceless. It was even more priceless seeing his reaction to me packing up my tools and leaving after only 20 minutes of configuring. Easiest 7,000 pounds I'd ever made. Don't try to mess with a professional problem solver. My principal tried to get me fired so I got her fired from the district. Story by deleted. I was in my mid-twenties, fresh out of grad school, and ready to start my teaching career. I got a job at a Title I elementary school near my home teaching art. And I was super excited that I could walk to work. However, I was so far into La La Land that I didn't notice any of the warning signs. Warning sign number one, it was a week before school started and I had called and emailed the school office staff and my principal to ask about getting my keys and badge so I can start seeing what I needed to do to get ready for the school year. No response and no answer from either. 
So I called the district office and asked when and where I could pick up my keys and badge. Two days before school started I get an email from my admin that I should have been more patient and not contacted the main office about my keys and badge. I finally got everything and was able to get into my room and was horrified by how much I had to get done. Apparently, they had used my room as storage so it was loaded with tables and desks stacked on top of each other, eight filing cabinets, and well over 100 chairs stacked all around the room. I managed to clean out the space with help from my awesome custodian shout out to all custodians who are the secret backbones in helping teachers get ready for the school year. Hurdle number one is finished. Warning sign number two, it's now the day of classes start. And I haven't been informed of what the schedules are. As in, which days I see certain classes and when. So I email my principal, again, asking what the schedule looks like and if there is a digital document that I can print out. I get an email back a few minutes later telling me to stop pressuring and bullying her. I replied, sorry if I was making her feel that way, but it would be nice to know what classes I had and when. This leads to warning sign number three, it's 8:10 a.m., not 10 minutes after school started, and I finally get my schedule, only to find out that I have two classes, at the same time. Note my school isn't huge, but we still had 14 classes serving kinder 6th grade so I was having at least 46 kids in one classroom by myself. Moreover, I had 7 45-minute periods a day and saw every class every day of the week, with only a 30-minute lunch, my lunch was when I was on lunch duty. I asked my principal if there was any way we could adjust the schedule, so I had time to plan and get the classroom ready for the next class and wouldn't lose instruction time getting things ready as the new class was coming in. I got yelled at by her with a class waiting outside saying it was my first year teaching and I didn't know what I needed and needed to just deal with it. Well, I decided not to just deal with it and I read the teacher's contract for the district. Come to find out we had a section about classroom size. It stipulated that if you had a class with over 30 students you get to have an educational assistant to help you with the class. I brought this up with my principal after a month and a half of struggling and was, you guessed it denied and told there was no money in the budget and I would have to make do without it or quit. Mind you, I am stubborn and determined to make things work with what little I have. But things were rough, in order to prep and plan everything for the next day, make meaningful grades, keep up with referrals, and keep in contact with families. I was having to be at the school from 6am, when the morning custodian arrived, till 9pm, when the night janitor was leaving, on weekdays, and then also use my weekend time to continue to plan and grade. When it came time for my first teacher evaluation, I was dreading it. However, I got all satisfactory marks from my principal. I was shocked, little did I know this was a plan she had all along. A few more weeks go by and I've had it, I talk with our union about the double classes and say it's not sustainable in a classroom my size can't safely fit more than 30 students, let alone 46 students. And they said they would handle it, and another few weeks go by and nothing. It's not the week of Thanksgiving and conferences are over and I get to not worry about anything for two days. So I decided to go to a potluck dinner with some old friends of mine. So here is the best part, and maybe the part that saved my career and even maybe my sanity. I was talking with one of old acquaintances and his new husband about what teaching job I landed, and how the school year was going. I let it slip that even though my students were amazing and had such creative minds, it's frustrating to me that I don't have the time to give them, what they deserve and with two classes at once it's hard to get around to everyone in the class in just 45 minutes. I noticed the husband raise his eyebrow and asked me what school I worked at. So I told him. What harm could it do? Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. Little did I know I was talking with my principal's supervisor. I found out the next Monday when my admin stormed into my room at 8.05am to scream and yell at me. Threatening to fire me, 
and make sure I never work in education again. I was shocked and confused at the time. However later that week at our staff meeting we talk about a change in the schedule and how only one class would be in my class at a time for an hour now, and I would only see them twice a week instead of all five days. It was magical. The kids were happier, I was calmed, was able to help each individual student if they needed it, and was able to plan enough throughout the day so I could leave at 4 p.m. Sad to say, my happiness didn't last forever. I noticed my principal stalking my room, and coming in non-stop to observe me. It was awkward. I also, had a few of my very extroverted students come in quiet and unable to focus on work, but when I asked them if everything was okay they would burst into tears and say I don't want you to go. Being confused, my response was always, oh student name I have absolutely no intentions of going anywhere, you are all the best students a teacher could ever ask for. Which would cheer them up for a while but then they would come in the next week upset again. It all clicked when the day before we left for Christmas break, my principal came into my room with one of her minions, who was our building union representative, to tell me I was being put on a teacher support plan. This plan was to evaluate whether or not my contract, with the district, would be up for renewal at the end of the school year. I was shocked, and my union rep just snickered and walk away giggling with our admin. I felt sick and abused unable to feel any emotion. It wasn't until I got home and read this detailed plan that I was seeing red. I had hit my breaking point. This is when I started to formulate a plan of revenge. Some things to note, our principal liked to come into school whenever they felt like it. She would be there anywhere from 7.45 a.m., our actual contract hours, to as late as 9.30 a.m., she once showed up at noon without telling anyone. I also knew that she had kept renewing a certain after-school care contractor that wasn't free to families, but they got money from the district to offer it for free. I also knew that this person running after-school care was dating and living with our principal. So during winter break my acquaintance and his husband called and asked if they were free to get drinks over the holidays. I love a good cocktail and I needed some hard liquor when we met up I wanted to talk about anything other than school stuff, I just wanted to keep my mind off of school drama. But the new husband brought up if things were better after he had talked about the double classes. That was when I found out that he was her boss. I asked, what do you mean you talk to my principal? How do you know her? New husband oh, you didn't know? I'm the supervising administrator for that cohort of schools. My jaw dropped, and I started to hyperventilate. The husband was startled and asked what was wrong. So I told him, I told him everything. How she yelled and threatened to get me fired, how she put me on this support plan and how she just kept observing my class without notifying me. His face went from a concerned look to a surprised Pikachu face to red with anger. He told me, I really always had a bad vibe from her, and always wondered why there were always so many new teachers at that school every year, what else can you tell me about what's going on? I hesitated to tell him everything, but my acquaintance told me not to worry, he has seen this look before, and that we were on my side. So I told him everything I knew. They both just sat there awestruck, unable to speak about what they were hearing. Anyway, after the break is over, I am dreading coming back to my class, but I don't want to miss seeing my students. So I push on. I am walking in the hall to my mailbox and I see a few of the students that had cried and told me they didn't want me to leave. They ran up and gave me the biggest longest hug ever, saying you're here. You're here. Me, of course, I'm here, I wouldn't leave the best students ever. Now would I? Students, but the principal said you were going to leave us because you didn't want to be here, and we should give you trouble before you left. Me trying to hold my rage, oh maybe she talking about how I was leaving to visit family over the break? No need to worry, I'm still here. Yes, y'all this wretched woman tried to purposely make kids misbehave in my class to write me up for not having a good rapport with my students. 
I was beyond livid. So next time I have a class with that student, I ask them if they could make a comic book of the conversation they had with my principal when she told them I was leaving. And make an ending he wanted. Phase 1 started. Phase 2, I contacted my boss's boss and told him for my contract, I wanted another admin to accompany my principal's teacher support observations. And I wanted it to be him. He said absolutely. But not to tell my principal just yet. The first day of my observation comes, and she walks in without a notebook or anything to take any sort of notes. Looking proud of herself like she is about to get away with firing me. She is shocked and confused when he boss walks in with a laptop and sits next to her and starts typing notes about how I'm doing. She stumbles around and comes to ask me for a notepad to take notes, and I tell her I don't have an extra notepad, but I do have some poster paper, we were making movie poster of a movie we would star in to go without comic books. And that I hope you can be better prepared next observation so as to not disrupt my class and take time away from their institutional time. The boss just smirked. Phase 3, I was now calling my new best friend, her boss's boss, whenever she was late getting to school and he would do a random stop by if he was close. So he was able to document that she was not showing up to work on time and not submitting the paperwork to have it taken out of her leave minutes. Overall we get him at least two times a week for a solid month, I think he even asked someone from HR to come to our school to see for herself at 9am and she still wasn't even there. Now time for phase 4, which was my favorite one. Getting the parents on board. I first started talking to parents that seemed to always be late picking up their students, I would chat about it and they said it was hard to get there on time and they often had to leave early. And when I told them about our aftercare they would tell me that it cost too much for them. However, I would inform them that since we are a Title I school, after school care was free and paid for by the district, and gave her a nifty flyer I made up with a website to fill out the forms and which ones to fill out. This made word spread around to parents paying the contractors directly that it was supposed to be free. And boy was that a fun PTA meeting to go to. I also made sure the principal knew it was me that informed the parents about that free after-school care program. After this, there were countless investigations at our school. With the head administration from the central office stopping by our school, auditors, and our union finally got involved and tried to play the hero-slash-victims of this incident. The outcome, the second half of the year was very chill, my new best friend made sure that my teacher support plan was taken off my teaching record and my principal was not allowed to do my second-term evaluations, nor was she allowed to do any informal observations. The after-school care contractor was fired and taken over by one recommended by the district, and my students were making amazing strides in their posters and comics. At the end of the year when we were getting our assignments jobs for next year, my principal made one last attempt to get me to leave and told me our budget doesn't have the funds for an art teacher next year and that I might want to see employment elsewhere. I laughed in her face and said nice try, my position is paid for by a state bond and isn't affected by your budget for the district. If there isn't anything else, I'll be leaving now as I walked out and I could hear her slam her desk and swear up a storm as I closed the door. At the end of the year, I had my one student share his comic book about how the principal told him to give me trouble in class, at our school's talent show leaving the already pissed off parents more pissed that an adult would tell a child to act in such a way. I even think she had a shoe thrown at her when she ran on stage to stop him from finishing his comic. To the surprise of no one, on the last day of school, she announced on the intercoms after students had left that she would be resigning from our school to move to a different position where she was needed and that she would miss almost all of us. I came to find out after stalking her on LinkedIn two years later that she had to get a job out of the district an hour's drive away to get another admin job, but only stayed for a year, and then had to step down to teaching English at a different school in another district the next year. And for those of you wondering how my student's comic book ended, well, 
the art hero rallied the students against the anger principle to make her see the errors of her ways, but the angry principle could not become happy, so she left and the power of happiness filled the school once again. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of Pro Revenge. I really appreciate everyone that's listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to these stories with me.